Welcome to the Eat Scripture Podcast. This is Eric and Gina Robinson. We are continuing in 1 Kings chapter 1 because we met it through half of it last time and mm-hmm. kind of left y'all with thoughts to think about typologically what's going on here. This older brother, younger brother thing mm-hmm. that we already see coming out. And we're going to continue with some of that and what's happening in the rest of the chapter, which really has a lot to say, speak to us um, on that level, uh, on the level certainly of what da- what's happening with David, what's happening with Solomon in the day uh, that it happened. And we want to approach scripture that way for sure. That's one of the things we do is we understand better about the kingdom and where it comes from and what has happened prior to Jesus's arrival on earth. But we also don't want to leave it question. Yeah. Want to do more than that. We can't just leave it there. And so, and that becomes too often what we do. We, we leave it there. So we know something historically, we understand something more about the culture, all of those being good things. Uh, anything's attached to and that. And yet, what does it help us if it doesn't tell us anything? That's about? right. Exactly. So like we you were saying last time, we wind up doing moralistic <laughs> things with it. We wind up looking at it and saying, well, who was good in the passage and who was bad in the passage? I want to be like the good person. I don't want to be like the bad person. That's kind of what mm-hmm. uh, this is our best way of applying scripture if we just leave right. it on that level of what happened before. But if we take it as like the Jews still do, this is part of the former prophets for Orthodox Jews and and certainly for the Jews of Jesus's day. This is what they called former prophets. And so in some way, they expected some prophetic ideas to come from it, too. They could understand it being the past. This is what happened before. This is how God is organized. it's just history as we're writing down facts that happened. Right. This is... In some way, God's also using what happened before to talk about what's going to happen, right. what's coming. Why would this it be God called does. prophetic? Yes. A prophecy. Yes. If it was just about the past. Right. So we're keeping that in mind as we look at it too, which I think is highly important for mm-hmm. us. And it really puts us at a different place when we're doing our Bible study. Now I have to have to, I'm not just here to learn about what happened before and ways God's worked before. I'm looking at this for, okay, but then how, what does that mean for how he's going to work in the future mm-hmm. and what um, people should expect by reading this, mm-hmm. what we could expect. And especially governed by Jesus's own words about how everything is really about him. Right. So, so when we were talking about the question at the end of the last um, mm-hmm. podcast, podcast. Um, what we're seeing is like the religious leaders of the mm-hmm. first century, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, mm-hmm. scribes, um, who are thinking, okay, now Jesus is dead mm-hmm. and we will come in and reestablish, you know, get everybody calmed down. Yeah. And yeah. back to the way it right. was. Right. That's what I think we're seeing. Yes. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. You're answering that question we left with everybody last time uh, very well, which I think is Adonijah's that he's that one who wants to come in, make sure things keep going like they should be going. Mm-hmm. We're going to take over here. We'll, we'll get this thing back in order. Right. And and keep it moving forward like it should. He's the older brother that we've been seeing throughout mm-hmm. scripture who gets jealous because of the love that the father shows to his younger brother and then wants to take things for himself and mm-hmm. just, you know, uh, status quo, as it were. Why do things have to change and um, very much willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen. 
And then sure enough, he's threatening the life of the younger brother. We're not surprised because this is what we've seen over and over again. Okay. So, yeah, so what you just said, again, I'm going to reiterate it. The religious leaders of Jesus' day are this older brother. This added the ones who are figure. Try and, right. try and stick their hand in here and take it while they can, right, right in between David's death or on the verge of David's death and moving toward. Right. Um, See, we told you that this Jesus character was not who he said he was. See, he's dead. Yes. Yeah. And we can't. So come back. Swoop in and, yep, take it. See, it's all okay. Yeah, we're we're going to keep things going. Yeah, that's exactly, I think, where we're headed. Okay, so let's then start reading at verse 28. And I think this is kind of, it's almost like one piece here. We could, um, we could break it. I can um, read the whole thing if you'd like. But maybe if we did, yeah, let's do, let's just start at verse 28 and go through the end of the chapter. A little bit of a long reading, but not too long. Uh, and I think that'll be the best way to cover this material. Okay. First Kings 1, 28 through the end of the chapter. Then King David answered, call Bathsheba to me. So she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has, re who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son, shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so, I will do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground and paid homage to the king and said, May my Lord King David live forever. King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. So they came before the king, and the king said to him, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon, and let Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, there anoint him king over Israel. Then blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. You shall then come upon, up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne, for he shall be king in my place, and I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and over Judah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, answered the king, Amen. May the Lord, the God of my Lord, the king, say so. And the Lord had been, let's see, as the Lord had been with my Lord, the king, even so may he be with Solomon and make his throne greater than the throne of my Lord King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. There Zadok the priest took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon! And all the people went up after him, playing on pipes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth was split by their noise. Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they were finishing feasting. And when Joab heard in the sound of the trumpet, he said, What does this uproar in the city mean? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abithar, the priest, and uh, Okay, I just missed a, yes, Cain, I just missed a line. Mm -hmm. And Adonijah said, come in, for you are a worthy man and bring good news. 
Jonathan answered Adonijah, No, for our Lord King David has made Solomon king, and the king has sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And they had him ride on the king's mule. And Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have appointed him king at Gihon, and they have gone up from there rejoicing, so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise that you have heard. Solomon sits on the royal throne. Moreover, the king's servants come to congra- came to congratulate our lord King David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon more famous than yours, and make his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. And the king also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted someone to sit on my throne this day, my own eyes seeing it. Then all the guests of Adonijah trembled and rose, and each went his own way. And Adonijah feared Solomon. So he arose and went and took hold of the horns of the altar. Then it was told Solomon, Behold, Adonijah fears King Solomon, for behold, he has laid hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me first that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. And Solomon said, If he will show himself a worthy man, not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And and he came and paid homage to King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. Mm. Okay. Kind of a long reading, like we said, but really yeah, all there were goes together of very my well. My lords in there. Yes, there were. <laughs> I was getting very confused. <laughs> yeah, there were. So King David is who we see in verse 28, kind of rising up and answering their question. You know, they've come and they've said, hey, yeah. this is what's happening. Do you he, realize it? Whatever Nathan told him, he was really upset about. Yeah. And he said, bring Bathsheba here. Let's... So he's like, okay, I'm going to take care of this right now. So he puts a plan into place exactly how this is going to work. Yes, sure enough, it is Solomon that I want to be after me. And here's what you're going to do. Um, And so he gives them the whole plan of how they should go about this. Um, And and as they do, they very much are carrying out his wishes. And they know that. And everybody, they want everybody else to know that. So that's all part and parcel with this. As we're thinking about it typologically, of course, we're imagining Jesus, the one who makes clear his wishes and will before he ever leaves the earth. He's right. the one who has definitely made clear this will be how this And even will after be he has died on the cross, yeah. he's not dead. No, he's not dead. And so he is appointing and preparing his disciples Those to be the new... Next, the new the sons of yes. the kingdom who will reign in his stead. Right. And the older brother would certainly consider themselves the one who should be reigning. And so so we're watching as this intrigue takes place. No, our Christ figure is going to step in and to assure that this is the way it takes place. It's going to happen like this. And so that's exactly what David is doing. <clears throat> he calls Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada in verse 32. So prophet, priest, and his number one military guy. Mm-hmm. He's got all here with him. This is These are very much um, newer characters that are in these roles, you would say. Joab is our military leader from before. Right. And Abiathar is our priest 
from before. Both of them have been with David and both have been loyal to David. It's not that. But Abiathar is actually in the line that we know is not going to sit on the throne forever. That's made clear to us early on in Samuel, very early on in Samuel, uh, that 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 won't be how the kingdom continues to go. Um, we're going to we're going to see as that takes place way back in like first Samuel chapter two, wherever uh, end of chapter two, when God is predicting an end to Eli's line. Abiathar is still technically in that line. So Abiathar has got to go and it's happening right here. Um, it's going to happen right here at the end of David's life. Right. And as the transition into the new kingdom, same with Joab. Joab has been the leader of the military forces, but he's always been the guy who felt like he knew better than David. Right. He's caused some issues. Major problems. He's caused some major problems and he's wanted to use violence to do it as necessary. Mm -hmm. He's been very jealous. Uh, that's part of the reason why he's done it. It's revenge. Vengeful is part of the reason why he's done what he's done. He's killing people that David doesn't want him to kill. And sometimes that David makes very clear he shouldn't kill, and he does it anyway, like in the case of Absalom. He just takes it on himself to do what he feels is best for David, even though David, he doesn't want David's position. He's not staging a coup. No, he I think he believes, just thinks he knows better. Yeah, he, he just knows thinks he knows better this. than David how to do things. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And, uh, and so knowing that, this, these are the kinds of people that have sided with David. Now we're watching as these new era is beginning um, with a priest whose name is Righteousness, with Nathan the prophet, with Benaiah, um, the close, close palace leader of the close palace guard, if you will, is going to okay. become his leader of his military for Solomon. And so... These are the kinds of people that are praising David and are going to be close to Solomon as he moves forward. It's a new era of leadership. Then we get down to verse 33 and we watch as we move toward the end. First of all, he's going to ride on the mule of David. Right. So he's going to look like the king. Right. He's going to look that's, like the king. That's the point from even yeah. when we see in... Uh, Zechariah 9, 9, mm -hmm. and Matthew 21, yep. 1 through 11, uh, the symbolism of the king riding on a mm -hmm. donkey is what, this one's a mule, so yeah. it's a, a different, different word, but. but um, still a very similar transition right. we're making. And the yeah. point here is that he looks like the king. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. He's riding David's. Right, and David's obvious, you know, is one of David's animals, David's yeah. mule. Right. People would have associated that mule with David if you see it from a distance. Right. You're like, isn't that, is that David over there? Right. Oh, wait, I think that's, yeah. And so, so he is associated with his father by doing this. Mm -hmm. And his father is obviously backing this particular, um, right. Yeah this particular move of Solomon. And so then we find out by the end of that same verse, verse 33, that he's supposed to go down to Gihon. Mm -hmm. Now, this is very interesting because Gihon has actually been used three times, uh, is actually being used three times here in this context, 33, verse 33, verse 38, and verse 45 is where right. it gets used. It hasn't been used since Genesis chapter 2, verse 13. Right. That's when Eden is perfect. 
when the spring of Gihon is flowing and everybody is just, you know, everything is in its place. Everything is right with the world. Uh, Solomon is being pictured as kind of a new Adam. There is a, the kingdom is brand new. It's a kingdom of peace. An era of peace is about to be inaugurated into existence. And Solomon will reign over. Because Gihon means bursting forth. It's this spring that's just bursting forth. Ah. Cool. Yes, absolutely. That plays into it. And so the new kingdom is bursting forth into the world. And this is where Solomon will be. He will be anointed at this spring, just like we saw Abiathar trying to anoint himself at a spring. But it was the spring of the foot, which was next to, I'm sorry, Adonijah Adonijah (laughs) trying to anoint himself at a spring. Contrast. Huge contrast here. Huge contrast, yes. Whereas Adonijah was trying to anoint himself at the spring of the foot next to the serpent stone, serpent and foot. So just like Genesis again, chapter three, we've got Solomon being anointed at Gihon ah, as our new Adam. Oh, he's the one who's truly. Now we have a, it's a new creation ideal, which is very much what's going to play itself out in Solomon's kingdom. The kingdom will be built in a beautiful way for the world to stream to. It has all this Edenic ideology with it to this Eden type right. language being used, yeah. um, especially as we go through and we watch the temple built and all the trees mm-hmm. that are, the, that are being used and everything sounds very orchardish, very, uh, Edenic in the way it's a garden and Solomon is the one who stands at the center of it. So he's that new Adam figure and that's what God wants. And so I even think, okay, I'm just going to throw this out here. We haven't talked about this, Mm -hmm. but just the difference in the fact that when Adonijah is having his little coronation Mm -hmm. uh, ceremony, it's all about, they always point out that, that he was sacrificing all these animals. Mm -hmm. So I had asked you before, is that something that they did at a coronation? Is mm. that, and it probably is. Probably. We don't really know. It's a know. big giant party type but atmosphere. But there's no mention of that in this coronation of Solomon. Right. Which does. makes me think of the um, topology we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, Isra- the, the religious system yep. in Israel was set up around the sacrifices Mm -hmm. and that is going to end with this new era yep that is true that makes a lot of sense yeah we we won't hear about a single sacrifice being made at solomon's coronation right here who knows if there was or wasn't but the fact that it's left out seems noticeable because three times it talked about how it was a part of the process for Adonijah. Yeah, you're making an excellent point there, I think. And so the very fact that it's not mentioned at all seems to speak something to us about this new era that's beginning. So I like that a lot. Yeah, Um, Yeah. So then, sure enough, uh, David wants these guys to be present and to anoint him. Nathan Zadok uh, should be present and should be anointing Solomon and then blow the trumpet and say, long live Solomon. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Benaiah is talking about how obviously verse 36, making clear how much he's on board with this whole thing. May he make your son's throne even greater than my Lord King David's. Um, and so Benaiah is showing that he's fully on board with everything. Everybody's on board. Um, so that's this is exactly what they do. These Cherethites and these Pelethites mm-hmm. are also part of the process. That's who 
Benaya is over. Uh, Which I really she, love that part too. And mm-hmm. because they are outcasts and refugees. Right. That's literally what that the words first mean. Samuel 30. Is that what this We is? first see them in 2 Samuel 8 18 okay. together. That's where we first see these two mentioned together Cherethites and Pelicans. Can't read my writing here, but. Yeah. 2 Samuel 8 18. <laughs> well, I have 1 Samuel 30, I think. So there must may be, be one of them too. mentioned there. Yeah. But they're not mentioned together. Okay. I just have the place where they're mentioned together. I just, I think that's very telling too. Mm-hmm. We don't, have we, I don't know these yeah, people. Yeah, very hard but, to plumb those yeah. depths. We don't know exactly. Um, there's a lot of things we don't know there. But but that they are pe- some type of people group that is closely connected um, through Benaiah and being overseen by Benaiah. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're made, that their names mean outcasts and refugees is interesting that they are the ones who mm-hmm. happen to be here putting their stamp of approval, if you will, being associated with the new kingdom of peace under Solomon. Right. People like outcasts and refugees Which are the ones who are, are the ones that this the banquet. early church was made up of. Yes, exactly. When we think about that typologically, it makes so much sense. Oh, yeah, that does. Seems like that would be who was at the coronation. Yes, of course, that makes sense. And then verse 40 to have whenever everybody, whenever this happens, trumpets blown in verse 39, people scream long lips, uh, King Solomon. Then in verse 40, it tells us they're rejoicing. The pipes are playing so that the earth was split by their noise. The earth is split by their noise. You're going to have a splitting earth in Zechariah chapter 14, verse 4, too, which probably has very Jesus slash messianic slash new kingdom beginning overtones there, too. The idea, uh, I think, on a typological level that we're watching for here is that sure enough, that is what we're going to see under Jesus and under the king, the new kingdom that grows under the apostles is going to cause a great split in the kingdom. Right. The great king will be throned. Jesus will be on the throne, but it won't be an easy transition because Jesus didn't come to bring peace, but to bring a sword. He's very clear. He's going to split things in half. There'll be division. There won't be, it won't be as easy as you think. And, um, and that's sure enough, how it starts with Solomon. Solomon, at first, what we're seeing right here in this chapter is that there's a split. Mm-hmm. There's a split between those who thought they were going to go with Adonijah and yeah. these who, yeah, we're going to go with Solomon. And so we're not surprised, I guess, once we see it, we're like, yeah, I guess I should have expected this. But sure enough, this is not just a, again, not just a reiteration of the past, but a pointer okay. toward a future under in a kingdom of peace yeah that it won't be able to start without some division there'll be some be a split there will be a split okay and i think it's interesting of course adonijah and he's still over there they're still over there partying and feasting Mm -hmm. and they hear this noise yeah they're here in the upper and they don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. yep and when they hear they know they're sunk because yes, when Solomon jo- or David yeah, when Jonathan shows actually, up and starts telling him, David has actually had enough. He's he's actually still alive mm-hmm. enough to have put his made his will known. Yes, and put his stamp of approval on Solomon and make this happen. Yes, I really am impressed with how fast 
all of the everyone moved to do this. It had to be <laughs> yeah. pretty quick. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did have to be very quick. Yeah. Absolutely. And and when they do, like you're saying now, word gets out very quickly that David is the one who's who has put his stamp of approval on this. Right. And this is what gives everybody great pause from, you know, uh, as we're going through these verses. By the time we get to the end, everybody uh, is not sure what in the world to do now because they can tell that they've kind of backed the wrong horse as it were um we see that solomon's sitting on the throne again we hear that from jonathan as he comes and tells everybody and that this is exactly the will that the king has put into place and by the time we get to verse 49 all the guests of adonijah were trembling and they rose and each went his own way mm. They're not sure what in the world's going to happen now. Now right. they're not sure if they're going to be the ones who are getting the sword now, because that's the very thing that Bathsheba and Solomon were afraid of. Kill, mm. kill the ones who oppose. Well, uh, think of the, the shock that the, is, the um, Jewish leaders must have had when they found out, oh, he is alive. Mm. And he's and what happened at Pentecost and, mm. you know, just... They yeah. must have been scared. Yeah. Like yeah. for their lives almost. That, almost at least. That kind of a what do we do now for sure. Certainly Satan knew. Yeah. By this point. But yeah. I love the shock. Yeah. Because I think nobody saw this coming. It's a twist. Right. And, yeah. Um, and that does speak volumes toward, like you're saying, what happened after the third day. And right. nobody, nobody expected that. Nobody expected, yeah, the right. world to be so clear. Well, of the great because I think so Adonijah really believed that David was that he couldn't do anything as dead as he about could, this. You know, now. it yeah. was just a matter of making it formal. Yeah, that he was dead, yeah. and he couldn't impose his will anymore. Yeah, but David did. Finds out that David is very much capable. Made sure that things would, you know, and I think that surprised Adonijah. I don't think you're. <laughs> at all far off from what's happening here yeah this is exactly how i think it's going down and so adonijah now in verse 50 is the one who's in fear well and this is a funny picture to me is i'm it? like what are you it's like he's running to home base and hanging on like when you're a little kid and you're yes. trying to play games and you run to yeah. base and nobody gets to touch you now because you're on so base going and grabbing the horns on the altar and, and of course what, what's being depicted here is a man who's treating the sanctuary like a place well treating the temple like a place of sanctuary where sanctuary or i should say the tabernacle the tabernacle like a place of sanctuary he's run into the altar in the tabernacle surely nobody will kill me here this is a sacred space he's using it for his own mm -hmm. it's yeah, yeah. Good. now we'll see later on we'll see even in exodus 21 14 that people can be taken from the uh the from the horns of the altar and killed if necessary. God doesn't let that be a, a something that just an automatic. Okay, well, as long as they make it in there, when we, you can't. Yeah, kill that them. seems kind of That's, like we're all playing a game. Right, right. So Adonijah, you would think, would be well aware of that, mm -hmm. if uh, or it should be anyway. But whether he yeah. is or he, he isn't, that's what he tries to do. And then he, when it gets told Solomon, hey. Adonijah's scared to death. He's went to the altar. He thinks you're going to be putting him to death um, if you, right. now that you're on the throne. Right. Which normally they may have he, even been chuckling about it. Right. Naturally, he would think this. That was the very thing he was going to do. Right. 
So, so he thinks now he's the one mm -hmm. who's it got the proves what he was. Yeah, he, you know how his mind was working. Interestingly enough, though, Solomon acts completely differently than and I love this Adonijah part. expects. So Solomon just says in verse 52, if he will show himself a worthy man, not one of his hairs shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. Translation, if he gets on board with the program, we're good. Mm -hmm. But if he keeps trying to do this kind mm -hmm. of thing behind the scenes and get his own way and take the kingdom away, he's going to die. That's how it will work. Sounds just like Cain and Abel to me. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It does. And I don't for a second think we're supposed to see here in Solomon the apostles like taking violence into their own hands to establish yeah. their saying, yeah. hey, if you get out of line, we'll kill you no. when it comes to the new kingdom. That's not how things are supposed to work. But God is using this as a typological picture of how his will is going to be established. And everyone has a chance to be on board with it. Yes. You get on board, you get along, we're fine. But God will exert his will against those who choose not to get on board. That right. will ultimately be what he does. So I think that's what's being um, really kind of put forward here in the story of Solomon's coronation. Um, is that, that typological it's picture. An, a second chance. Yeah. You have a chance. Yeah, everybody gets the opportunity right. to make it right. And, that's right. And he's told him, you can go to your house. Mm -hmm. He is extending great mercy. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yep. I love that. He extends mercy. And this is the picture that the apostles should have in their head. What should we do? We should extend mercy. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. We Grace. extend mercy. That's yeah. what God wants us to do. Oh, okay. Uh, so again, we're going to leave you with the thought to think about how this mm -hmm. all works into how, what does this tell us about Jesus mm -hmm. and us yep. and how we're, how the, what is this kingdom yeah. that yeah. we're talking about? What is this new kingdom under Solomon? What are we really reading about here? And then is what this just mean? an ancient kingdom that was very wealthy and mm -hmm. did very well for a while and was famous? Mm -hmm. Or is this something more than yes. that, that we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. That's what we want to think about. So, as you're looking at the next chapter, too, if you want to, um, we'll be going about halfway through uh, the next chapter next time. So, But but you're going to look at that next chapter, and you're going to think, how in the world am I supposed to read this typologically? Because, frankly, it sounds crazy. <laughs> Lots of bloodshed taking place. Just weird. Right. But we're going to have to dig through that. We're going to have to sort this out um, if we really under, want to understand what Jesus meant, that it's all pointing to him. Okay. So... Thank you so much for listening. Love you all. Hope you have a great few days. God bless. We will talk to you really soon.